Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. So we're in the series, Live It. And live it means let's live out what we say we believe as Christians. Let's live this thing out. Let's not fake it. Let's be real. I know that we're all a work in progress and God is working in our hearts and lives, but uh, let, let's continue to yield to the Lord. I know that the book of James, this letter that James has written to the believers, um, is challenging for every one of us. And uh, this morning we're going we're gonna to go into chapter, chapter 4, and this sermon title is Our Issues. And uh, my first slide here is, our issues are, are the results of our fallen nature and our refusal to yield to the Lord. If I could summarize our issues, they're, they're based on our fallen nature and our refusal to yield to the Lord. Uh, now, I know that this series is designed to challenge all of us to become more spiritually mature. And... Uh, Probably you are being challenged as much as I am, but that's a good thing. We're living in a day and time where there needs to uh, be strong, solid Christians that are not compromising in the craziness of the world around us. We're going to be looking at James. Well, let me read our core scripture, James 1.22. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. And the key scriptures we'll be looking at today are found in James 3, 14 through 16, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, but I want to touch on again today. And then uh, James chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. It's strongly believed that James uh, uh, wrote the, well, James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote this letter, not one of the original disciples who, uh, who was the brother of, of John, not that James, but Jesus' half-brother. And James is writing to the early church, probably about 15 years after Pentecost, when the church was actually birthed, when the Holy after Jesus had risen uh, from the grave, and um, uh, on the day of Pentecost, when the believers were in the upper room and the Holy Spirit was poured out. Uh, James is writing to the 12 tribes, the Jewish believers in Christ. It's believed that this is one of the earliest letters in the New Testament, maybe the the, the first letter in the New Testament, written between 49 and 50 A.D. Uh, James is addressing new believers, and what he's talking about is relevant to us today regarding issues that hinder our relationship with the Lord and hinder our spiritual maturity. And so this series is designed to push us, to challenge us to become more mature believers. The Bible is relevant for us today, as much as it was relevant 2,000 years ago when James was writing this letter to the churches or to the early believers. And uh, I believe that the Lord is, was directing me to teach this, this letter because where he is leading Life Fellowship Ministries International. And we need to grow in our spiritual maturity and be equipped for everything that he's called us to do within the family of Life Fellowship and to help train and equip and prepare others 
within the body of Christ. I know that uh, there have been people that have gotten upset with us, with Pastor Christine and I, because we will, we're teaching the truth, guys, and we're not going to compromise. And there are people that are wanting to live compromised lives, and we probably all have at some point in time, and maybe there's still pockets in our life where God is working in our hearts and lives, but we're not going to compromise the word. And there have been people that have left this church because they're living lifestyles we, that we, we say, look, you shouldn't be doing this. This is the word of God. This is what the word says. So don't get mad at us. We're just giving you the truth. And, uh, you know, as, as believers, you're going to have situations where people are going to say, well, you're judging me. Well, no, I'm not judging you. I'm telling you, the, I'm telling you what the word says. The word has already judged what's right and wrong. We're just simply coming into agreement with the Word of God. But I think as we go, as we digress, I think it's probably a good word in society, and there becomes this greater distance between Christians and the world, we're going to have to stand up. And that's why I wanted the youth in here today, because this impacts all of us. Are we willing to stand for the things that the Lord says to stand for? And again, we're not judging anyone. We're just coming into alignment with what God's Word says. I know that recently, uh, you know, or in times past, we've, we've gotten some flack personally because people say, well, we feel like you're, you're judging us. Well, no, we're not. Listen, if, if I'm doing something harmful to myself, to my family, to my relationship with the Lord, I would hope that somebody loves me enough to say, look, stop, look at what you're doing. This is what the Word of God says. So you need to stop. You need to submit and yield to the Lord. And if people get mad at us for that, then they can just get mad because we're not going to compromise. I love you too much to compromise. And the Word says that I'm going to be held accountable. <laughs> So, you know, I'm telling you this because you're, you have the same situations when you go out in your workplace and you live this thing out and you have conversations with people and their lives are a wreck and destroyed and you begin to minister to them and the conviction, not the condemnation, but the conviction of the Holy Spirit begins to work in their life. Sometimes they will point fingers at us and say, well, it's because of you you're causing me to feel judged. No, yield to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't condemn us, and we should not condemn one another, but the Holy Spirit will convict us. Listen, Christine and I are no one to judge anyone. <laughs> Only the Lord can judge our hearts. We've got our own issues to deal with, and I can tell you that, that we're not looking for a fight. We're not looking for confrontation. But when your loved ones come to you and you have the opportunity, the Lord is opening up a door for you to shine the light of truth into their hearts. We need to do that. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit to do that as he leads us and guides us in love, with grace, with compassion, but in truth as well. Let's love one another enough to do that. My responsibility is to follow the Lord, to lead you and ensure that Life Fellowship remains on track to accomplish everything that he's given us to do. And you have a purpose and plan too. God has a purpose for you. And so my role is to help you fulfill 
God's purpose and plan as you seek the Lord and as you yield to him. This letter should be pushing on every one of us to, to depend on the Lord more and drive us to a deeper, more personal, more intimate relationship with him. So here in, in chapter 4, James is addressing uh, their quarreling and fighting. In James 4.1, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Remember, he's talking to Jewish believers. He's talking to believers in the church. And he's, he's addressing their quarreling and their fighting. The body of Christ, we are called to encourage one another, to build the body of Christ up, to strengthen one another as a body, not to be fighting not to be causing division and dissension and quarreling and fighting. In James chapter 3, we had insight into some reasons for the quarreling and fighting in the church. And I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but I want to go back over this. In James chapter 3, verses 14 through 16, he says, But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. And we talked about this for a while, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly and spiritual and what? Demonic. We shouldn't want anything demonic in our lives. And that's why I was so glad that Pastor Christine taught on Halloween last week. The roots of that, the foundations of that are wicked and evil. And the Word says that we should even avoid the appearance of evil. So now, now that you know the truth, if you didn't know the truth, now you have some decisions to make on how you celebrate Halloween or how you don't celebrate Halloween. Listen, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm just here to tell you what the Word says and bring fresh revelation and understanding to your lives, and then it's up to you. But there's coming a day, actually we're in a day now, where the gray area is shrinking. It's black or white. So James is saying, for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. That should not be said of us. We should be the light in the darkness. We should be leading people out of the darkness into the light. Let's go back to James chapter 4, verse 1. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires that war within you? Jealousy and selfishness. They create a fertile environment for disorder and evil of every kind. So are those some of the things that we wrestle with? Maybe we don't even realize the magnitude of selfishness and uh, jealousy that's within us. And so we can ask the Lord, say, Lord, reveal anything that's in my heart that's not pleasing to you. James 4.2, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. Think about people that break in and steal or, or go to the stores and steal. Why don't they buy for themselves or do without? And sometimes these thugs, they take what they want and then they'll just kill innocent people. They already have stolen what they want. That's wickedness. That's evil. That's not godly. Think about some of the things happening today in the world. James 4.2 continues, You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. And I think about uh, the terrorists that uh, 
and corrupt governments that want to come over here and destroy this country. They hate us. They desire to take away something that they're jealous of. And when, when we look at what's going on today, there's not just issues in America. It's global. It's worldwide. So how does this apply to us? You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Have you ever missed opportunities of what the Lord has for you because you wanted what someone else had? What if we just yield to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be on, path, on track with you for what you have for my life. Maybe, well, I want to be the worship leader. Or I want his uh, position or role at work. Or whatever it may be. If we would all do what God has called us to do as believers, the body of Christ would benefit. Listen, if, if the Lord wants to open up a door for you, he'll open it up. Just be prepared, be ready. In Romans, Paul tells us that the gifts of God and his calling are irrevocable. God does not give us a gift and then take it back. Now, if we're not walking in accordance with his purpose and plan, and I'm not talking about living a perfect life, but God can remove the anointing. I know people that are highly gifted, and, and they, God has just given them great giftings. But because they have disconnected from the Lord, the anointing is not there. They still have the gifting. But I want the gifting and the anointing. And, and the criteria for that or the way that happens is that we stay connected to him. That we let go and, and receive Christ to deal with our issues. I'm talking about our issues today. And all of us have them. And if you're married and you don't know what they are, ask your spouse and they can help you with that. But God can re remove the anointing, but he wants to pour through our lives. But he's looking for clean vessels. He's looking for vessels that are not perfect, but are willing and yielding. God is fully able to open doors for you that he wants you to walk through. But it's by his grace and mercy that sometimes he doesn't do that. We may be called, but the tough part is often waiting for him to send us. I know there have been times when I'm like, I tell my pastor, okay, I'm ready. And he's like, no, you're not ready yet. Well, I think I'm ready. Yeah, you're not ready yet. And I'm so grateful and thankful that I've had a pastor that loved me enough even though maybe he wanted to promote me or put me in a position, he knew that I wasn't ready, and he didn't put me in that position for failure. God wants to set you up for godly success, not for failure. And so sometimes if God is holding you back, you may be wanting to thank the Lord and say, Lord, thank you, because I know that you are for me. I know that you want what's best for me. And some of us, are probably thankful we didn't get some of the things we prayed for. <laughs> Lord, just let me marry her. And then 20 years later, you're like, Lord, thank you. <laughs> so God is looking out for us. My next slide is people miss opportunities because they are impatient and will not submit to the authority in place to help prepare them or yield to the Lord's process for them. God places spiritual authority over us, and our spiritual authority is to look after our souls. 
in Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Obey your spiritual leaders, for they look out for your souls. They will be accountable to God. That's a serious scripture that all pastors, all leaders, all elders should take seriously. They're going to stand before God one day. I'm going to stand before God one day and be accountable. Well, why didn't you teach them about tithing? Why didn't you teach them about forgiveness? Why, why didn't you tell them that some of the things they were doing was wrong? Lord, I did. Don't, don't look at me, Lord. We all have the opportunity to make the choices, to follow after the Lord. And I wanna, I'm trying to encourage us to grow, to yield myself. I'm looking in the mirror at me first, guys. And I'm saying, Lord, what are you revealing to me in my heart, in my life that needs to be changed? But many times people won't submit to authority, to spiritual authority. I've seen that happen. Well, I, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'll go find another church. Listen, you can find a church that will teach you anything you want to believe, godly and ungodly. What do you want? Do you want the truth? You're going to live this thing out? Let's go back to James 4.2. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. God, I don't care what you want. This is what I want. And sometimes God loves us enough to, give us, to not give us what we want. Jesus gives us some insight into receiving what we want in Matthew 7, 7 and 8. He says, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. And so God is saying, it's okay to ask. He says, come boldly to my throne of grace and present your petitions to me. But he's wanting us to ask in accordance with his purpose and plan. Have you ever prayed and asked the Lord for something and then the Lord changed your perspective or redirected your desires? I, 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 there have been situations where I prayed for things and then God has begun to pull back the sheet and reveal some things or give me a different perspective or his perspective on things, a broader perspective. Because the word says that the Holy Spirit has come to lead us and guide us into all truth and that he will tell us of things to come. So the Holy Spirit's not a, a magic wand or a fortune teller or any of that kind of stuff. The Holy Spirit resides within us. He's part of the Trinity of God that wants to reveal to us the Lord's heart to guide us and lead us. In May of this year, the Lord gave us a word, prepare. Are we taking that word seriously? In, in 2020, in May of 2020, the Lord gave us a word, the world as we know it will soon come to an end. This was two weeks before the George Floyd incident. Things are changing. The world is not the same as we knew it two years ago, even a year ago. And it's still changing. And so this latest word from this year, prepare. And it wasn't like get prepared. It's like prepare to go. Prepare to, are we prepared, family? What are our motives? Are they based on jealousy, on selfishness? 
on our pride, on our ego. James 4.3 says, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Look at the world today. It, it, all it wants is what's pleasurable. You even, un, unfortunately, you look at even some of the body of Christ. Pleasure over God. When we seek the Lord and his desires, he provides everything we need. And he will open up the doors that's best for us. And that's where this relationship is so vital that we trust him. We say, Lord, I don't understand what you're doing in this season. I don't understand what you're doing in my life or the situation. But I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to yield to you. And I'm going to allow you to do what you want to do. And as we do that, as we have a, a history and a trend of that in our life, we see how God is directing our steps. We're avoiding the pitfalls and some of the dangers that we would have stepped into had the Lord not been leading us and guiding us. Are you spending time with Him? Are you trusting Holy Spirit? Do you have this relationship? Are, is your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit increasing where you're hearing his small, still voice. But even more importantly, are you obeying? Because you can listen and disobey. Let his passions and desires become yours. Listen, Paul is not pulling any punches here. <laughs> because he cares about the believers and he wants to see them. He wants to see us walk in the fullness that God has prepared for us. James 4.4, 4, you adulterers, don't you realize that your friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Strong words. The word says that we're to be in the world, but not of the world. We are to be the light of the world. We're not to be deluded or have our light turned off. Where's your loyalty? Will you compromise your commitment to Christ for the sake of being politically correct or because someone might judge you or someone might look down on you? Do you disregard the prompting of the Holy Spirit in certain people's presence? Because, oh, well, you know, I know you're telling me to go pray for them, but what, what will they think? What might they think? Oh, my. I might be rejected. <laughs> Well, you might be. Let's see. Hmm. What about Christ? Was he rejected? Do you say, well, they don't really know that I'm a Christian, so I can compromise. I can go partying with them because, you know, they don't really know that I'm a Christian. Romans 12.2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. And so last week, Pastor Christine taught on Halloween. Are we following the, the, the passions and, and the behavior and customs of the world? Introducing our children and, and partaking in something that is based and founded in pure evil and wickedness? Verse 2, don't copy the behavior. Let me read all of this here. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. 
See, when we think differently, that's really repenting. That's really saying, hey, I'm not going to go down that path. I'm not going to stop at Specs. I'm not going go to go to the hood and buy some weed or whatever. I'm going to allow God's word to wash over me and transform my life so that I begin to think differently. And then when I think differently, I will do differently. When believers become lukewarm, complacent, and are embracing the world and its cultures like some churches are doing today, we are in trouble. We are supposed to be upholding the standard of God. And when we lower that to look just like the world, we're in trouble as a church. I think America is in trouble because we have chosen to turn our back on God. When we have people saying this is no longer a Christian nation, this, this, uh, this nation was founded on Christ. But if, if there are no Christians in the nation, well, then I, I guess that's right. America's in trouble, guys. We need to be praying for this country. We need to be praying for our leaders. It doesn't matter if you voted for them or not. You have a vested interest. We need to be praying for this nation. And not only is America in trouble, but this, this world is in trouble. Romans 12, 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God, allow God, yield to God to transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. James, back to James 4. I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. We are spiritual beings encased in a shell. This is a physical body. I shared with you uh, a month and a half ago when my mom passed, when I saw her laying there in the bed, I realized that that body was just a shell. Her spirit was gone. Her soul was gone. She's in, in heaven. But this body is just a shell. James 4, 5 says, Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. Our human, uh, we, our human nature we were born with is a sinful nature, corrupted when sin entered into all of humanity, when Adam and Eve defiantly and deliberately and directly disobeyed God, when God said, do not eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that's when sin entered into humanity and it's been passed down. So the word says that we're born in sin, we're conceived in sin because it's part of our spiritual DNA because of what Adam and Eve did. But, you know, it, it's not our fault, but it is our problem. The results of Adam and Eve's disobedience were instant and impacted all of humanity. Go back and read the first part of Genesis. God would walk with them in the cool of the day. They were naked and unashamed. <laughs> and then they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and instantly they knew that they were naked. And then when God came down to walk with them, what did they do? They hid. There was a definite change in what happened because of their disobedience. And they covered themselves. And we know that God covered them 
with the skin of an, of an animal. That required a blood sacrifice. I think it's representative of what Jesus has done for us. He died on the cross. He gave his blood. For them to be covered with the skin of animal required a sacrifice. It required a, an animal to die. But Adam and Eve's initial responses um, were, were different once they sinned. So never think that you're getting by with stuff when you're sinning. There are always consequences. You may not see the results right then, but if nothing else, it's chipping away at the integrity, your spiritual integrity. It's chipping away, it's chipping away, it's chipping away. And at some point in time, you're going to get busted. And not because God is looking out to condemn you or beat you or any of that, because he wants us to have this relationship with him. Listen, I'm talking to believers here. James is talking to believers here. He's saying, quit playing around, man. Be serious about your relationship. And so they knew, Adam and Eve knew that they were naked. And in the next chapter, one of their sons kills the other son. James 4, 5, do you think the scriptures have no meaning when they say that the spirit God placed within us is filled with envy? This is another interpretation of the scripture that I just read. Let me go back to slide 25. You think the scriptures have no meaning. They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. God's greatest desire is to have this relationship with him. But let me read it in this other translation. Do you think the scripture have no meaning when they say that the spirit God placed within us is filled with envy? In this verse, I believe that James is talking about our fallen nature, not to our new nature when we receive Christ, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the previous verses reflect our own, our old human fleshly desires from our old life and our old ways. Consider the previous verses. What, what has he talked about? He's talked about fighting and quarreling with other believers. That should not be. He's talked about these evil desires coming from within us. That should not be, because when we're yielded to the Lord, we shouldn't have those things in our life anymore. Jealousy, and, and jealous of what other people have. Scheming and killing to get what others have. Ungodly motives, only wanting fleshly pleasure. Desiring the things the world has more than the Lord. So I think what he's saying is, is that those are the desires of our fleshly nature. They are not the characteristics given to us by the Holy Spirit when we receive Christ. When we receive Christ, we should not be envious. We should not be jealous. He begins to change our hearts and lives as we yield to him. Galatians 5, 16 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Again, our sinful nature came from Adam and Eve that became part of our spiritual DNA. We do not have victory over sin without a lot of help from the Lord, without receiving him into our life and understanding what he's done to remove the guilt and the shame and the sin from our lives. James is saying, do not neglect the Lord while living in the world. We live in the world, but we are supposed to be a light 
We're supposed to be showing others how they can live this Christian life and not compromise. Let's look at, at uh, 1 Peter 1, verse 3. All praise to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again. And because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live with great expectation. Are you living with great expectation, realizing what God has done, is doing, and will do in your life? Listen, Jesus came to set us free. And, and James is saying, hey, let's, let's forgo all that other stuff that we used to do, the other lifestyles we used to live, and let's allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. Being born again brings us back into relationship with God through Christ paying the ransom for all of our sins. We allow God to continue our transformation. We can say, Lord, I yield to you, and I allow you access into these areas in my life, every area of my life, or we reject the opportunities for this restoration. We can say, Lord, no, I don't want you to fix my broken, messed up life. Or we straddle the fence playing Christian when it's convenient. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father. Never be ashamed of Christ. James 4.17 says, remember it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. God doesn't leave us stranded. We have Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us. Our issues are the results of our fallen nature and our refusal to yield to the Lord. The solution is Jesus Christ receiving him. <laughs> Listen, this is not intended to be a con uh, condemning message. Its purpose is to be a convicting message that we would yield to the Lord and say, God, I, I'm, I want to be serious about my relationship with you. I don't want to straddle the fence. And when we, when we ask the Lord to come into our lives, when we ask the Lord to shine his light of love into our hearts and reveal things to us, he will do that because he loves us. And then it's up to us to yield to him and allow him to do this work in our hearts and lives. And then also, the other thing is that we can see the hand of God in our lives and how he's moving and how he's working through our lives to make a positive impact, a godly impact in people's lives. When we pray for people and we see them get healed or we see them get set free or whatever that looks like, that God wants to do miracles through our lives. We sang about it today, this morning. As we speak the words of God, as we come into alignment with Him, God does amazing things. And God's greatest desire is to have this intimate, personal relationship with us and everyone. But the truth is, many people reject Him and won't receive Him for whatever reasons. But that is not God's heart. 
But he doesn't change his standard. He doesn't change the truth. We have to receive him as he is because he is willing to receive us as we are. But he doesn't want us to stay there. He doesn't want us to stay living a lifestyle of of drug addiction or some other addiction, anything. He wants us to come into this relationship with him that we can live the abundant life that Jesus died to give us and came to give us. And then that we would have the heart and the love and the passion and the compassion that God has for others that we would be willing to risk out and reach out and say, man, listen, let me tell you about this love of God that maybe you don't know about. That's God's heart. He said, in, Jesus said in Matthew 28, you know it, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, believers, committed followers of Christ. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and know that I'll be with you till the ends of the age. But he also says, teach these new disciples to obey all that I've taught you. Teach them, train them, equip them. What are the three ways that children learn? Example, example, example. Are we being an example to the people that God has in our life that he wants us to impart this love and impact with the love of Christ? What example? I, I promise you we are being examples. Are we being godly examples? I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe this morning you'd like to recommit your life to the Lord. Or maybe you've never had a relationship with the Lord and he's speaking to your heart this morning. Slip up your hand and catch my eye. Anybody here this morning? There's no shame in that. The shame would be to walk out of this building today and not receive him. Maybe you're watching online and if that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer. Just say, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to come into my life because I need you. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins and I receive you today and I'm asking you to mend this broken, shattered, messed up life. Or maybe you're praying this prayer and you say, well, my life is pretty good. You still need Jesus. And so just continue to pray. Say, Lord, I ask you into my heart. I ask you into my life. I receive you. I yield to you. I thank you for this new beginning. I thank you for this fresh start. And I ask you to help me to yield to you. I'm going to pray one more prayer for you. That Pray that prayer. Lord, I pray for the fire and the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit to wash over them, Lord God, and that they would receive in fullness everything that you have for them and that their sensitivity to your Holy Spirit would increase. And they would not only hear your small, still voice, but they would choose to obey all that you've called them to do. And as they read the Word of God, your Word would come alive in them, jump off the page, (laughs) impact their lives, Lord God, and that their sensitivity to you would increase. And so, Lord, we pray all these, these things with great expectation. In Jesus' name. We hope today's message encouraged you. For more information about our church, please visit our website, lifefellowship.me. We invite you to join us again next week for another life-changing, uplifting message. 
and remember to live it.